0: Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat reporter for the Mercury News, and I am joined by Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle to talk about what the Warriors are hoping to accomplish during this minicamp. And that begins today. But I wanted to uh, bring something up before we get into all of that, Connor, and it's something I've been thinking about while watching these playoffs. I think Draymond Green is going to have to play even more center next season. I know the Warriors get credit for spreading the idea of a playmaking five, but what guys like Nikola Jokic and Bam Adebayo are doing as full-time playmakers at center, I think it's clear that these new contenders have passed the Warriors by this, uh, uh, you know, after this season and that Steve Kerr probably needs to, and is probably planning to play Draymond more at center next year. The question is whether or not he should start at center. What do you think?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I haven't thought a lot about it. Um, my initial reaction is no, I don't, I don't think he should start in the regular season at center. Um, I just think even though I understand your argument, I understand why it might help them win games. I just don't think that at this stage in his career, you can ask Draymond to um, shoulder that much responsibility on both ends right now. He's, he's uh, struggled with injuries the past couple of years. It seems like his body is kind of, I wouldn't say breaking down, but it's, it's showing some wear and tear. Um, He's 30 years old now and this is someone who, plays bigger than his body and if you look at guys historically who play like that they tend to nosedive in production earlier in their 30s and the Warriors especially given how much they're paying Draymond really don't want that to happen and so I think you need to guard against that as much as possible I think you try to limit him limit the toll his body takes in the regular season so that he's at his best when it really matters come playoff time Um, and look you know, I think they're going to have other options at the center. I mean, Marquise Chris was one of this team's best players toward the end of last season, which isn't saying a lot, but it's it was true. He, I think he, sh- he showed that he can play 25 minutes a night and and eat up solid quality minutes for you in the regular season. And then all reports are that Kevon Looney is at or near 100%, um, and we'll see what, what that actually looks like. But if he's close to 100%, I mean – Draymond doesn't need to be playing a lot of center in the regular season, in my book.
0: I would I would argue that because uh, Draymond played forty three games last year, played just one thousand two hundred twenty two minutes all season long. We were around them. We know that they were resting Draymond. His per game minutes were low. It wasn't just because he played fewer games because of injury. Um, it kind of feels like they were building toward him, maybe playing more center. And I'm not saying that he necessarily needs to start at center. That was me of just more framing an argument for the sake of this podcast. But I think he certainly needs to play more center. Like this ending the halves with the death lineup thing, it was was good while it lasted and it worked. And it got them to a point. But I think that the Warriors are in a new kind of tier in the Western Conference. Like this isn't... Like they're not gonna be able to sort of ride out the 82 game regular season, do just sort of do the best they can, whatever, just roll the ball out there and then wait for the 16 games in the playoffs. Like they don't really have that luxury anymore. And I think they're going to have to really compete with these teams in the West. Like the Lakers are going to be good. The Clippers are going to be good. The nuggets are going to be good. Like, I don't, know where, I don't know where the Warriors really fall in the Western Conference, but it's not even a given that they make the playoffs necessarily, I would say. I mean, I, I think you and I both assume that they will. I think that they will, but it's not a given. You know, they're one injury away from maybe not making it. But um, Draymond over the last few years, like the most he's played at center during the regular season is 21% of the time. These are, you know, basketball reference stats. Where you look at guys like Bam Adebayo for the Heat, he played power forward during the regular season. So that would be the model, but he at least played center 44% of his possessions. Anthony Davis, who basically, it was a big headline that they they kept playing him next to Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, played center 40% of the time in the regular season. So to me, I think Draymond needs to get at least closer to that. Uh, just because you look at what is happening in the league, and I, and I guarantee, like Steve Kerr is paying attention to this stuff. And if you have... Like guys like Bam Adebayo, who are like the evolution of Draymond Green. Well, the Warriors have Draymond Green. And if they could just play him at center, granted, it depends on who they play at power forward, right? But if they could play him at center a a little bit more often, instead of less than a quarter of time, closer to, you know, 40% of the time, I think that's going to give them a real advantage going into this next era of the Warriors where they don't have Kevin Durant. They don't have all like Andre Iguodala and the strong bench and all these things that can bail them out. I think they just need to lean into their best lineups more often.
1: Well, there's also a trickle down effect, right? Cause um, we already know that Pascal is best at best at the four and it, they haven't been great uh, historically playing together because when Draymond's playing the four, Pascal struggles at times playing the three. And so,
0: Um, if that's why Pascal is working on his three point shot, right. Is exactly make that less of an issue.
1: But I, I, I do feel like even if he improves his three point shot, he's always at his core going to be a four. Mm -hmm. And so if you can, if you can clear more space or more time for Pascal at the four by, by playing Draymond more at the five, I think that's a win as well. And if you draft, I mean, also if you draft someone like Denny, you know, who we've talked a lot about on these podcasts, you know Denny really is a four you know you know he's a he's kind of a secondary ball handler out of that four and so you know there there could be a little bit of a log jam at that spot and you know you got to be creative with getting people on the floor
0: no doubt and and that also has an effect on what they do with free agency the draft all these things too and and I, I just you know if we're talking about getting Eric Pascal more minutes, who I think right now is one of their five best players, right? Before the draft for free agency, I would say it's the core four in Pascal. That's your best five players on this team right now. It's probably better to allocate more minutes to Pascal than it is to even a guy like Marquise Chris or Kavon Looney or these other like good players. But if you're just trying to play your five best guys, the most, the most possible minutes, that's the way to do it. I think.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I um, mean, there's so many, what ifs still. I mean, we don't really even know what the roster is going to look like. Um, but, uh, you know, this this minicamp, which officially starts tomorrow, Wednesday, um, they checked into their hotel on Monday, but they're, they have a 48-hour quarantine, and then we'll start scrimmaging and practicing as a group tomorrow. Um, it's, I think a lot of people don't think it's important solely because Draymond and, and Steph aren't there for family reasons. But – it's There still are some significant things in terms of evaluating the roster, um, and I think they're going to glean things from this mini camp that can help inform their decision-making come free agency in the, the rest of the offseason. Uh, you know, how does how does Kavon look? Does he look like he can be, you know, a fixture in that center rotation? Um, how's the back end of the roster looking? Like uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Michael Mulder and Kai Bowman, they look like guys you need to make room for in that 50-man roster. Um, those are those are things that I think they can learn in the next
0: two weeks, even without Draymond and, and stuff. I want to talk about how this affects the Warriors offseason next. This is Locked on Warriors. Speaking of centers on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Warriors, I'm joined by Andrew Bogut to discuss his thoughts on the ball and playing center for the Warriors. Connor, before we uh, left, we were talking about what this mini camp means for the Warriors and things like that. We'll, we'll dive deeper into that later on in this show, but you also mentioned things that they could do with free agents and, and you know, this mini camp being a chance to evaluate the current roster before they head into the draft and free agency and whatever this offseason is going to be for them. Uh, and to me, I think regardless of whether or not Draymond Green starts at center or plays, more, or plays more at center, closes games at center, I think he'll certainly close games at center. I have a feeling he's going to be playing more center next year. I just... We know Steve Kerr is a progressive coach when it comes to these things. We know that Draymond Green, I, he's 30 years old. I get it, but like they kind of rested him for a reason. I think they're going to at least try it. And I think what you'll end up seeing is sort of the Bam Adebayo model that the Heat rolled out where Bam was playing power forward for a majority of the regular season with a floor spacing five uh, next to him in the starting lineup. And then, you know, end of games, Bam Adebayo was still playing center. And then by the postseason – You know, Bam at a bio, he was playing forty-four percent of his possessions at center during the regular season. That's at ninety-four percent now in the playoffs. I think it could be something similar for Draymond Green, where he plays, you know, something close to that, like forty percent, half of his possessions in the regular season at center, and then that goes all the way up almost to full-time status during the playoffs. I mean, that could be the model. If that's the case, then that that kind of gives you a clearer picture as what the Warriors need to do with the center spot this offseason and specifically in going and getting a floor spacing five because we know you need a floor spacer next to Draymond Green in the front court.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's it's clear. I read that that really well-done Ringer story um, by I believe it was Rob Mahoney about mm-hmm. uh, the rise of the playmaking center. And the big takeaway from that is this is not just a fad, you know, this is really the direction the NBA is heading in and it makes sense right i mean you if you can have everything you want in a basketball player in one person go for it you know a guy who has the size and the speed and the playmaking ability yeah let's 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 load up on that
0: yeah and i think we we kind of keep focusing on the offensive thing for obvious reasons here too but defensively the warriors were so bad on defense last year, and I'm not blaming Marquise Chris for that. Like he was very far from the problem. It was really a point of attack issue for Golden State. But if you can have Draymond Green, like this All NBA defender, and All NBA defensive communicator, as your back line of defense, and we've seen how effective that can be in these death lineups, just at uh, more often, I think that's one of the ways to like crank up that defensive rating from 26 in the league to back into the top half of the league. Like it's going to be more than just development of guys like Pascal and Chris, like you're not, you don't go from one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the better ones, just by year to year development with your same personnel, it's going to be adding guys to this team. But one of those players is going to be a rookie who's going to need playing time. So I think an easy way to help this defense get marginally better is just playing your best, best center at center more often. Um, But in, 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 I I kind of want to go back to this free agency conversation too because like if you need a floor space in 5 I think that also solves some of those offensive concerns where the Warriors are going to have to shoot more threes like not only are they behind in how much they're playing their small ball center at center I think they're behind at how many three-pointers they take like we've seen that like the league pass them by uh you know as you've got like teams like the Rockets and the Raptors and the Celtics just like throwing up threes as much as they have the Warriors went from the you know, leading the league in three pointers to sort of being at the league average this last couple of years. So if you get a four spacing five, like let's call it Aaron Baines or Myers Leonard, or if you use the trade exception on Kelly Olynyk, not that, I think that kind of is a two birds with one stone thing where you have the four spacing five next to Draymond green. So he doesn't have to play center full time and really do all the wear and tear, but he's all, but you're also providing this offense with the needed boost that it needs.
1: Yeah, no, it, and that's these are all things that they're going to be taking into account. And um, that's why I, I think minicamp is more important than people are giving it credit for. Because, look, this is the only time the Warriors are going to have their group together the entire offseason. We're talking about a period of nine months, nine-plus months. Uh, and so, yes, you know, the stakes aren't super high up from an X and O standpoint because there's no regular season games for another three-plus months. But – you know, it's an opportunity to see how guys are physically, to see who took the offseason seriously and who didn't just, you know, lay back on their couch and, you know, get fat. Um, <laughs> and uh, these 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 uh, observations that they're going to make over the next couple of weeks, I think, are going to go a long way in just kind of uh, ironing out what their priorities need to be in the offseason, because at the end of the day, you can think you know what's up, but until you actually see guys in person, you you are not gonna fully feel confident about the direction you're going.
0: If Eric Pascal's three pointer is really developed, if he goes out there in a drill and makes like 80 of 100 three pointers or whatever it is that they you know deem as acceptable there, yeah, that changes a lot of what you do with the power forward spot, even at the center spot. If Kevin Lo- if Kevon Looney goes out there and looks like Kevon Looney of the playoffs two years ago. Well, then maybe you're just like, well, there's our starting center. Problem solved. He could play next to Draymond Green. No issues. We're going to be incredible defensively again. Getting Kevon Looney back at 100 percent would dramatically improve that defense. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of things there. Uh, but is it one of those names? Is there another name when you when you're looking at minicamp? You know, like you said, they are going to begin. We're recording this on Tuesday. You're hearing this on Wednesday. So they're they're starting group workouts today. Uh, Steph, Draymond obviously are not going to be there, but who to you is the most interesting player in minicamp?
1: Um, It has to be Clay, right? Uh, Just because it's his first time playing in any sort of group setting in 15 months. I mean, this guy has not played since game six of the 2019 finals. Uh, And so it's been such a long hiatus for him, and this is someone who is so unaccustomed to having to sit out you know, he had never missed more than a couple weeks at a time his entire career until now. Um, and, you know, an ACL, a torn ACL is a serious injury. And in the past, it, it could kind of derail players' careers. But there's been enough advancements in the surgery for it in the past decade or so that um, players are coming back, especially players who are still in their prime, are coming back at or near 100%. If, if anyone can do that, I, I think it's Clay. He's an Man. he's he's shown that he's diligent in his rehab um but hey you don't know until you actually see him so I think it's going to be important to see just how he moves uh and, and how he uh how fluid he is over the next couple of weeks um so that you can kind of quash any lingering concerns about that knee
0: yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to go out there and make three-pointers the way he always has. I don't think that's an issue. It's really like what you were just saying. How is he moving laterally? How where, Where's his speed? Where's his quickness? Because he was the guy that would take on the the opposing ball handler so that you can hide Steph Curry, right, defensively. Can he, does he still have that lateral quickness to do that, or is that going to be more of Andrew Wiggins' responsibility next year? And is, does Clay Thompson become more of a guy who guards the second best, you know, offensive player in a game or whatever? Uh, I think those are legitimate questions with Clay. And like you said, like guys are bouncing back quicker from those things recently, um, but it's still something you need to lo- look at. One thing we know is that he has been diligent. I mean, this is He spent most of the, the last year in Southern California rehabbing. Like he's not on social media a lot. He's not really screwing around. Like we know that he's trying to get back to the court because the other thing was he thought he was playing the best basketball his career right before he got hurt in those NBA finals. I don't know if he's going to get back to that level. But if he can, that's going to be huge uh, for the Warriors. I think we keep talking about, like, how they replace Kevin Durant and all these things. The answer is obvious, and I think it's Klay Thompson. Like, you could just give Klay Thompson more responsibility. When Kevin Durant got to the Golden State, what was the big question that people were asking Klay Thompson? Are you going to have to sacrifice? And, of course, he had the famous quote of, I'm not sacrificing shit, but uh, he it was it, wrong.
1: What? He, he wasn't wrong. He went out and, and averaged more points and more shot attempts the following season than he ever had.
0: Yeah, and I think they could just keep feeding him, right? Like, you could do more Clay Thompson post-ups. You can get Clay Thompson the ball more coming off screens. Like, there is no limit to how much you can feed Clay Thompson. We know this. Uh, and so maybe, like, if he comes back, like, we're talking about a guy who can really tra- – this seems like an obvious statement, I know, to Warriors fans, but he can really transform everything they do on both ends.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think you make a good point about defensively, that's going to be the biggest question. Um, I think I think he's going to be fine. Um, this is uh, this the the ACL surgery, like we said, is is made a lot of strides, and I, I think he's going to be all right. And look, if you look at the guys who've struggled coming back from an injury like this, historically, it's because they wrestled. You know, they they wanted to get back for a playoff run or something, and they weren't quite ready, and they tweaked something else. And um, that is hundred percent not going to be the case with Clay. Uh, he has not played competitively in 15 months, so I'd rather deal with a little bit of rust than deal with uh, potentially rushing someone back. So, in a lot of ways, the Warrior, the way the season went for the Warriors, ended up being good because there was no pressure on Clay to return, and he could just kind of take it easy, go through his rehab without any sort of outside pressure of of getting back in time for a playoff push or anything like that.
0: I know you've been doing extensive work on the NBA draft, and I want to ask you about that quickly. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. If you're like me, when you get hungry, you can make bad decisions. But the best way to avoid blowing your diet is to be prepared. And that's why I always have a Built Bar with me wherever I go. Not only is it the best tasting protein bar I've ever had, it's the most healthy, and it fills me up while I'm busy. With 18 amazing flavors, including new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar, but they're low-calorie and low-sugar while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for keto and other low-carb diets. Connor, you know that I'm on keto. This is perfect. So go to builtbar.com. Yeah,
1: I, I, I can attest to the listeners out there that he is not lying when he says that he eats these all the time. Uh, on our, on our a, Red Foods, we always have one in his backpack, and and you would pull it out You know, when we were in the media room writing for hours on end, and I, I had a couple – they are really good like objectively they are really good i've always been a cliff bar guy but i might think about transitioning because they're they're legit
0: well if you do go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your next order plus a free cooler with purchase can't beat that while supplies last again that's promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com connor i know you've been doing a ton of work um on this draft and you're writing these great profiles. You're talking to a bunch of people about a lot of these prospects. Uh, they're sort of like in this consensus lottery area. Uh, but just you, you're, you you're, you've been diving into the film. You've been doing these breakdowns with along with these, uh, these feature profiles that you're writing. Who's your guy right now that you like? And that's just, it's not to mean like who's number one on your board or number two or, or who you think the Warriors should take. But just who's the guy that you're just, there's always a guy, right? And who's just the guy that you like in this draft?
1: Um, I really like Denny, uh, Avdia, uh, he, out of Israel, um, I've spent a lot of time watching his film and I've really followed his entire Euro League season and Israeli league season. And, um, the thing that jumps out to me about him is a, how experienced he is because he's only, he's only 19 years old, but he has played in the EuroLeague, which is the second-best league in the entire world uh, for the past three years. He was the youngest-ever player to sign a senior team contract with Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is one of the best overseas teams um, and has produced a ton of NBA players. Um, and, you know, just last season they had Amari Stoudemire, multi-time all-star, Elmer Caspi, former Warrior, Tyler Dorsey, Tyler Dorsey, former Hawk, and several other former, former NBA players. And I reported a, a feature on him last week, and I talked to a couple of his former Maccabee te- teammates, and they kind of explained to me, you know, how the Euro League works. And they were adamant about how impressive it was that, uh, that Denny was even getting any sort of meaningful minutes at that level in the Euro League because Maccabee was in the, in the hunt for a title. I think they finished fourth in the overall. EuroLeague standings and they're one of the best teams and every game mattered. And the EuroLeague is a different world in that uh, they don't really value player development the way they do in the NBA. Um, they don't have these big player development staffs. So it's all about winning. And, yeah. you know, they, they tend to lean toward um, proven players who a lot of former NBA players in the EuroLeague, there's no limit on how many foreign, foreigners you can have. You don't have to play the local guy uh, if you don't think he's good enough um but in the israeli league where he got a lot more minutes they actually have a requirement where you only can have five uh foreigners on a roster at a time i believe you can only have two foreigners on the court at a time so being the best native israeli uh he got a ton of minutes in the israeli league and actually ended up being mvp of that league and that's a league you know that's filled with uh former college stars filled with uh former nba players it's not considered one of the top maybe five overseas leagues, but it is a quality league. It is, I would say it's probably significantly better than power five basketball right now. Um, and he was MVP of it at 19. Um, and the thing that really jumps out to me is that this guy improved so much in the past year. He takes direction really well. He, uh, he's a diligent worker. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. And um, I know there's concerns about his shot, but his shot got significantly better over the course of the year. So I personally, I talked to one scout who said that he thinks he's going to be a Danilo Gainari type in the NBA, someone who Mm. isn't, you know, overly athletic, but can overcome that by being a really skilled playmaker at the the four position. And I, I think he, I think that he is going to be that type of guy in the NBA. I think he could even be better. But hey, you know, given how, given this draft, Danilo Gallinari has had a really nice career. Um, And I think he would fit really well in the Warriors. And I think uh, if he can be that – if Denny can fill that kind of role for the Warriors, I think that would be a win.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with Gallinari is he's a great outside shooter, uh, scorer from all over on the floor. I I actually go with another comparison. The Gallinari one makes sense to me. I also like a Joe Ingles comparison, a guy who could play the three and the four – uh, play make for you a little bit. Be pretty good defensively. Just know his assignment. Do what he needs to do. Guard a couple of different positions. But if you're going to be either Ingles or Gallinari, that three point shot really needs to come along. And really wasn't there for Denny um, so far. And and wasn't Israeli. It, was really, uh, it was okay. It was what like thirty percent something. It was like closer to thirty five
1: percent. But it, what, the, what, it, the thing about it is his mechanics are good. Yes. Um, and. uh you know, he's just kind of streaky right now. I, the, the weird thing is his free throw shooting.
0: That's um, what I was going to say. He's, he's a yeah. 50% free throw shooter thereabouts. And the precedent for a guy coming going from a 50% shooter for his career from the free throw line to something like 80% or he's going to need to be to be a legitimate shooter in the NBA is basically zero. Like, I don't know what the precedent for that is. And and that gives me pause when it comes to Denny, like from an analytics stats perspective I like you look at that and you're just like well that's a real concern that's a major red flag but Connor I'm like you and I watch him play and look you've done more research on Denny than I have because you're talking to teammates and stuff like that but I'm just watching him play on film and I'm just like I don't care about precedent or history or the analytics I love this guy and I think the dude could just flat out play. I love his basketball feel. I love his passing ability. I love how big and strong he is, and the fact that he's just going to get bigger and stronger. Uh, the dude just gets to the rim. He gets to his spots. He makes the right play. I just I love that, and I'm just willing to bet on that. And this guys track,
1: gained, the guy gained 20 pounds in season. 20 pounds of muscle in nice. season. That is so hard to do. Uh, okay. And the Euro League is. Uh, you know, a pretty intense grind, you know, especially with how the, how McAfee does it. Cause they play, I think they usually play about two League games a week. And they also play at least one um, Israeli league game a week. So you're playing three games a week, traveling all over to be able to do all that and also gain 20 pounds of muscle um, bodes really well, I think for him. And look, the way I look at it, let's worst case scenario, his shot doesn't develop and he he's free throw shooting doesn't develop. Um, I still think he's a legitimate, bona fide NBA starter in this league for a long time. Mm. Um, I think he has a really high floor because he's so skilled, and uh, he's going to be big enough, and he's going to be smart enough to, to handle what he's going to see in the NBA. Um, you know, he's he. I think I actually think he can be a plus defender in the NBA. Yeah, um, me too. And uh, you know, I think you could put him on an NBA court tomorrow. And he's gonna help you. I I, I believe that. Um, and I agree. Only, I mean, that's the only, guy yeah. Yeah, from college. Um, <laughs> so, um, and you know, and it's not just the Euroleague. Like this guy has also he's done well at every level he's been in. I mean, he he uh, he, he he led Israel to gold twice at the Euro, Euroleague U8 U20 championships, which Israel is obviously not a basketball power, so that's a huge feat. And then he. Uh, was a two-time MVP of major uh, basketball without borders camps. And you have NBA prospects coming through those all the time. And he's MVP twice. Um, I, I think he has a true track record. He's the son of a coach. Um, and everything I've heard and read about him is just, like, he takes direction really well. He, you know, has a good mindset. He's dealt with a, a microscope for a while. I mean, he's, he's kind of a god in Israel. Israel loves its basketball. And uh, he's the biggest NBA prospect they've ever had, and he's a big deal. And yeah. he's been handling it, taking it in stride. So I love. Uh, I feel like I, I might be getting a little hyperbolic here. No, you're you're I gushing. Do, uh,
0: you're you're gushing over Denny right now, Connor. No, like, really oh, like, oh,
1: like, no, I really like. I really like. There's no one. There was no one else in this draft that. Yeah. Um, I think has his floor. I so, have.
0: I have. I have said about Denny. I understand that we have a consensus top three and why when I, when we're talking about Edwards, Ball and Wiseman. I don't know why Denny isn't making up the consensus top four. And I think people are starting to get to that point nationally. I just he is flawed, no doubt, but so are the other three. And I think his ceiling is just as high as those guys. I really do. If, is, if he
1: shot 75 yeah. percent from yeah. the free throw line instead of fifty-five percent, he probably would. But people are really yeah. scared out by that number. And I don't I understand why. But I honestly don't think that's as big a deal as people are making it. I think he, I think he I think that he's gonna learn certain things about breathing and and, and you know, getting in the right place mentally uh, for free throw shooting and he'll get better. I mean his shot is not bad.
0: It's really not right. Bad. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah. Um all right, I want to get out of here, but before we do that, Connor, I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Uh tell me, what was your least favorite class in school?
1: Ooh uh my least favorite class was math uh, i was i'm just very much uh, i've always been kind of a creative like i'm i'm i was always into writing and and art and those types of things and then the math component i just always struggled with i mean i got through calculus but i don't know how it was always <laughs> it was always uh, a really big chore and it was like in high school every single day i would wake up and i would dread math class i just ate it. i would and then once math class was over for the day, I felt so much better. I was like, I hated it. So uh,
0: math. Uh, I stopped doing my math homework by junior year. I was like, I don't even want to spend time doing this. I knew my future would not involve math. I said, no matter what I do in life, I am not doing math, no matter what. And I just, I just gave little. I still took like AP um, trigonometry or what? What's the one with uh, the triangles? Is that trigonometry? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I took that and I got a D or a C in it. And I was like elated, but my least favorite class was biology. Cause that's like math on steroids, like science. I just, I like watching like documentaries and, and even like reading about it. I don't mind it, like articles and stuff, but like to learn what a mole is, like I just, you lost me. Like the 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 periodic table, I just don't have the head for it. I can't do any of that stuff. Uh, I couldn't stand biology. And it's the only class i ever got, Uh, Caught cheating in.
1: Oh wow! I can't believe you're admitting that on the air. Well,
0: I don't think. I think. I think the statute of limitations is up. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. When you're 16, I don't think we should be held accountable for things we did when we're 16. Um, uh, Everyone is kind of learning and growing at that time in their lives,
0: so. Or cheating in biology tests. Um, All right, Connor. You and I will both be covering minicamp for the next almost two weeks here. You can read my work at the Mercury News. You can read Connor's work at the San Francisco chron- uh, Chronicle. Follow Connor at Twitter or on Twitter at con underscore cron. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. Thanks to Bill Barr for sponsoring the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to wgoldberg at bayareanewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening and stay safe.